Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Bryce Kamensky. Uh, Bryce, if you want to give everyone a bit of an intro to yourself, and then we'll uh, we'll jump into a topic. Yeah, so uh, I started uh, real estate investing with Stefan Arneo, probably actually know the date, March 15th, twenty. 15. And uh, I knew absolutely nothing about real estate investing. I was coming from the music industry. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of crossovers there between dealing with people and dealing with people. And so it was a fairly easy transition. I was already an entrepreneur in the sense that I was running my own recording studio at the time. And uh, it just wasn't making enough money. And I turned 30. And I was like, I got to make enough money to have things in my life. So I looked around and I said, I got to at least, I got to move either to Vancouver or Toronto to expand being a music producer. And uh, Stefan at the time posted on his Facebook, I'm looking for an acquisitions manager. And I was like, well, I know Stefan from the music scene back in the day. And I decided, well, if, if this doesn't pan out, I can still move to Vancouver. I can still move to Toronto. So I took him up on the offer. He sat me down. He said, read this book, Money People Deal. And if you like the book, come back and uh, we'll get you started. So I sat there and he's like, you got to buy the book though. So he makes me buy the book, 20 bucks. <laughs> and uh, is it just to make sure you're serious or like, why make you buy it when he probably has a stack of them sitting there? Yeah. Well, the one thing is he always believed that if you paid for something in your life, you would actually use it. You know, you give yeah, them, you, you give people mentorship for free. You give people books for free. You give your 16 year old kid a car for free. And what are they going to do with it? Trash it, throw it on the t- table. And I, yeah. I was kind of like a litmus, lit, litmus test that he was going to actually get someone who cared about it. So I took the book home. I remember I read it that night. It's not a terribly deep read. I'm not a crazy reader. So it was, you know, I, I opened it up, I got into it and it really changed the way I thought about a lot of industries with the money people deal framework where you could raise money for deals. You didn't have to have any money to actually get started in real estate. You had to find the deal, find the people who could fix it, do the deal, and then bring the money and put it all together. And now you can do an unlimited number of deals. So he started t- teaching me. I went through his program, gave me access to his, uh, you know, his program at the time. I went through the the stuff. It took me about, I'd say about eight or nine weeks before I got my first deal under contract. And from there, I did nine deals in nine weeks. And in Canada, that's that's not that easy to find nine properties in nine weeks. So it got to a point where he's like, okay, relax on buying them we're going to spend time fixing these things so we went through the process of fixing that first handful of properties so I got the whole ringer of buy fix sell on those properties and I went on to continue just producing those products for him for several years and eventually it landed me with on the self-made tour when he started doing the tour series and and having the seminars and uh, the company grew to such an extent that it was like, okay, well now we need more coaches because Stefan couldn't, his calendar was absolutely full. So 
I started teaching the bronze program, the silver program, the gold program for, uh, at that time it was called Stefan Arneo high performance. And, uh, yeah, I got a lot out of the packing and unpacking of the knowledge that I already got helping people, you know, get into their first deal and really understand that framework of money people deal. And I can remember standing in my brother's living room, just thinking about the thing. And I was like, anyone can do this. Should they desire to do this? It's not hard. There's no barrier to entry. It's really just, can you put it together? Can you work for free long enough to make money that most people will never make in that amount of time? So with real estate, this, the, the motivation will get you to the money. It's just a matter of, can you stay motivated long enough to actually get that money? So it took, you know, for, for several years, I worked with, with Steph in there and it got to the point where we were doing Canadian real estate and we were doing the real estate in Canada. And I got the opportunity with another company to go down there and work in the States. So at the time I was working with uh, black card, we had renamed it to black card yep. and I was doing the coaching there, but I was also working um, with another company down in the States in Ohio. So I had the opportunity. I was like, you know, Canada, I've kind of beat the, you know, I can probably beat any, any market in Canada now that I understand the fundamentals, but what's it like in the States, you know, the, uh, escrow and the title companies and the, the privacy laws and how easy it is to go and look up someone's equity. And you're just like, Hey, this, I like this house, go down the street. <laughs> pull up my, and then the apps and the access and just the straight amount of inventory. It was, uh, it was a huge eye opener. Uh, and then as we all know, November, 2019, the pandemic starts rolling in, in Florida, the border closes down and now it's practically impossible to cross the border for years and years. And so, um, likely something you know i've been working uh with a guy out in atlanta on on his stuff that's a hot market um as well as i've started looking into like the land flipping model because i think that you know land is probably you know my main thing is a wholesaler right and so one of the most challenging things is a wholesaler if you've ever i'm not sure you do you do a lot of wholesaling uh no I I what I I do try to get myself in front of uh direct direct to seller right um and yeah. then when I do that uh I try to lock it up for myself and if that doesn't work out I'll try to create a financing and if that doesn't work out then I'll uh, put it under contract and assign the deal so I'm, I mostly keep them for myself but if uh so I do sign probably uh, two to five a year not a lot I, that's why I don't yeah. say I'm a wholesaler at all. Yeah, that was that's that's been my main move because we we would always acquire more than you know necessarily that that we wanted to do. So I was always out there just just acquiring, acquiring, and acquiring. So it led me to become a a wholesaler, and I realized as a wholesaler, nobody believes what you say. You're you know like no. if you're a, you're a buyer right a wholesaler brings you something you're like ah the ARV is a million bucks and it's perfect <laughs> you look at the pictures and it's like that's not a million bucks and the pictures are like that's going to take way too much to fix so I started looking into land flipping because the easiest wholesales I've ever done were ones where I didn't ever have to walk the property you know they can look at it on Google Maps and be like this is 
this is a good enough spot to to buy. So I've started investigating land flipping. You know, the, those are probably some of the most interesting conversations because people have been holding this this land generationally, yeah. and they're like, I can, you know, someone wants to buy it, and and I'm going through the the tax, you know, the tax files and finding a high equity, and I might call them up because their phone number's listed on the on the thing. You know, you skip trace it, and that's just something you can't do in Canada, like the privacy. You know, we we play a completely different marketing game up here compared to in the United States. So when I when I started looking into the states, the dynamic between the the wholesalers and the actual like property buyers is way different. Yeah. And so it it like it became not a game about finding the worst properties. It was a game of finding the most effective use of your capital properties because there's no limit to the number of properties you can invest in in the United States. But it was how quickly can I get my capital into this thing and out of this thing? Because you could easily buy a monster that needs way more work than it, than it's worth. And you could buy two or three in the same amount of time and energy in the States. You just another wholesaler will come along and there's so many and the market is just huger. So it was just like wide open spaces and anyone who's thinking about investing in the States as a Canadian, um, you know, we're not exposed to it. You know, there's a lot of Canadian real estate investing companies and places to invest, but the cash flow in Canada, it's gone. Unless you're investing in Winnipeg, there's not really a place where you're rent and your mortgage in Canada and even now in Winnipeg we're 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 coming about even you know you'd be lucky to make a hundred bucks a door in Winnipeg now because the prices have inflated and the but, rent hasn't kept up I guess <laughs> well the rent is is going up like we've definitely we've seen about 30 40 percent rent increases so yeah. things last year that a rent would be like 1100 bucks we just rented one a couple we a uh, couple blocks away for sixteen hundred. That's nice in a neighborhood that you wouldn't get twelve or thirteen uh, a year ago. So it's it's keeping up, but the the interest rate is killing people up here. I don't know what the interest rates like in the states, but I, in Canada the interest rate is squeezing that the juice out of the thing, and it's really changing the dynamic between can I do I want to get in the game? You know, a lot of people are quitting or not even playing because it just, it doesn't make sense according to the CBC. But if you look under it, there's more opportunity now because there's less people. So the thing, the beauty of real estate investing is it balances itself. You know, as much as the government is meddling in the business, both in the States and in Canada, it's a self mitigating thing like it will even itself out the investors like us will find a way to make money it's just like okay now i have to get into creative financing and and that's becoming a big thing here in winnipeg is rent to own where people can't get out of their properties because they're not worth enough but they want to get out of the property but then but buying it doesn't make sense because now the interest rate is going to be too high so the way i like to look at rent to own is it's not rent to own the house it's rent to own the rate we can rent to own these people's interest rates for two to five years that they've yeah. locked in for and ride out this storm. So if you're stuck in Canada and you're looking for something to invest in, 
explore the rent to own the creative financing because you can rent the rate and it's not that hard and people are surprisingly open to it if you can explain the the rent to own process to them and you know we've got a guy john simcoe he's a huge rent to own guy and he's now moved back to winnipeg so we're really deploying that here in winnipeg to see what we can do with with that strategy because like i said the interest rates are keeping people out of the game yeah i had john simcoe on the, the show probably about four years ago uh, mm-hmm. he's a he's a wealth of knowledge um you're talking about like um raising the rents and stuff i i don't know a lot about uh, manitoba to be completely honest right one thing i noticed just even attending other ontario real estate things is a lot of times they're trying to um get create vacancies so they can raise the rents up whereas i noticed in the u.s it's you're like you just hold on to them and you just raise the rent right there's it's a little bit of a difference you don't have to have that tenant turnover to raise the rent depending on what market and what landlord laws you're in, right? Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that I've created a new coaching program. I believe the new coaching program has way more value than any of the programs that have even existed in the past. What we've done is pre-recorded all the lessons so that you can work through it at your own pace, which is pretty cool. And then we're going to meet up on a regular basis to answer the questions, do deal analysis, and actually spend our time together working on things instead of spending our time learning things. I think this will make a seamless transition to buying in the United States and will help you solve a lot of your problems. If this is of interest to you, go to glensutherland.com coaching. I hope to help you guys invest in the United States and I hope we provide as much value as possible. Back to the podcast. Yeah, well, Manitoba is pretty fair in the the RTB, the the rental board. But um, one thing with multifamily in Manitoba is if you've got more than four doors, you're subject to the RTB. And raising the rents on the population in multifamily is challenging. You know, we're we're working on a, a property here on the west side of town, and it's a 34 unit apartment building. And that's kind of a big deal to find it in Man- in in Canada. Period, because there's 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 definitely a, a shortage, or they just didn't build a lot of multifamily, especially in Winnipeg. It's just single families, as far as the eye can see. And so, right. twice now they've rejected the rent roll increases, and that's really the only way that you can refinance because they're basing these refinances on your rents, and so there's huge caps and you know, it's going to take, as I said to my partner, I was like, you know, it might not feel nice today. You're going to carry that thing for five years, but in five years, you're going to be laughing. The The natural appreciation, the inflation that we're seeing paired with the fact that you will progressively raise the rents and your refinance will work. But it's just, you know, if you want to find an apartment building, it's probably not in Canada. You know, these people, they hold on to them. They're generational apartment block holders. The, they bought them in the 70s and they're all old men now and they are looking to exit these deals. So we're seeing them, but they're not happening on the open market. You have to network your way into multifamily in Canada because they're just handed in the back rooms. I would always say to my students, you know, multifamily is a backroom game. It's, it's a yeah. business of networking you're not going to find it on MLS. Like if you go on MLS in Canada and you go multi-unit, like you're going to find some twos and some threes, but you're never going to find something that's large. And 
you know, be careful. If you see a large unit on MLS, it's because guys like me and you have passed over it. We're like, not, not, not interested, not working. And then it's overpriced and undervalued and you can't do anything with it. It's medium renovated and there's just no lift left. So, you know, multifamily, I can remember in Ohio, they were selling, this was like on forest park somewhere, just just outside of like a kind of questionable area. And it was like yep. 150 units for 1.4 or something used to be a barrack of some sort. So it was like ones and twos, Yeah, but you know, it's just crazy what you could get dollars per door in the United States is, is incredible. I'm going to switch gears just slightly here. You talked about a lot of different stuff here. We talked about Ohio, Georgia, Burrs, lease options, sales, wholesaling, a little bit of everything. And and I, I love talking to people who've done it all, right? Um, at least like that's a lot of stuff. There's there's all kinds of creative stuff in the US. Um, what would you say is is your favorite strategy? What do you think uh is gonna work the best in this kind of market? What what are you feeling the most comfortable with uh right now? Um, well, I think I think a strong fundamental knowledge of acquisitions is always going to work for someone. You know, if you can't find it, you probably are at the the mercy of someone else's pricing. So if you really want good deals in the States and in Canada, you're going to have to do the work to find these things because there's going to be a markup if you let someone else find it for you. That's just the business of real estate. So if you're really looking for something that's always going to work for you and it's going to put capital in your pocket, I'm always advising people to get started the same way Stefan kind of talks about in his books. Stage one, you you become a bird dog. You figure out how to find leads. Stage two, you get into wholesaling. You figure out how to move these leads. And then from there, you say, okay, now I can probably, I'm I'm competent in finding them. I'm competent in negotiating them and getting good prices. Now I can decide, do I want to make something out of these things? Do I want to make them into a rental or a flip? And then ultimately you start making a hundred K or 200 K a year. And you're like, okay, I got to put this money somewhere before the government decides what to do with it, put it in a charity or something. So buy and hold. And then, you know, yeah. after a few years, you've got enough buy and hold equity that you can start lending. But if you're just getting started in a strategy that works always, is doing the hardest thing, you know, solve a problem in your industry. And it's typically acquisitions because the people who want to buy things, um, they're, they're probably at work or they're working on the things they're already looking for. So if you can bring property to these people, you're always going to be in business. And so you add a few thousand dollars onto it. And, uh, you know, you can have a pretty good career with not a whole lot of desk time. Like it's not a nine to five job wholesaling, but you might have to take a call during dinner at 7.30 or 8.30 to go and see a property at 9 because this person's got two days left before foreclosure and they've left it too long and you know you got to hustle. But that two hours might be worth $10,000. So I think that acquisitions is always something that people should focus on. And unfortunately, that's not really something that programs teach. You know, you go to Keyspire or or even, um, you know, with Black Card and, and these other programs, um, it doesn't cover the fundamentals of like, how do we find these things? We definitely teach people how to like fix these things. And there's some like basic find these things. But if you really want to get good and you don't want to be at the mercy of somebody else, learn how to find your product. 
you know, become someone who can source their own deals. And you, then you'll never be at the mercy of the market. I love it. That's good stuff. And even um, you just doing all these different strategies. Um, I don't remember which book of Stefan Arnio's it was, if it was money, people deal, or it was that million dollar one or whatever, but he was always talks about like, or used to talk about uh, m the money now, money soon, money later. And by just leveraging these different strategies too, you're, you're, you know, it, it, it just, it's so much easier to live off of. I, when I started my journey in real estate, I started with burrs, 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 and it was hard. You always felt poor. <laughs> yeah. Well, the burr strategy is great if you've got a job. So yeah. if you're, if you're really serious about the burr strategy and you don't have a job, you have to make an active income job. And that's really what sustained my real estate career was we would find three properties. And I would always say this to my students, get good at acquisitions, find three, sell two, keep one. And those two are your paychecks. And that one is your wealth because a paycheck, like money, income is not wealth. And so burrs are a great wealth product. They can set you up for 10, 20, 30 years. And in even 10 years, you've got refinancing properties. You've got income that you can, you can manage in the future. But what about now? Like, how do you, how do you sustain your mindset that like, I'm broke, I'm poor. Like you were saying, Burr is a very tough method if you're starting because you're not going to get paid, not unless you find an exceptional Burr. And even then you're going to buy it, you're going to fix it, and then you're going to rent it and then refinance it. And you're probably not getting, you're not seeing capital from that deal. There's a couple of different strategies. You can get some upfront capital if you've got money partners and you can pay yourself an acquisition, but for the most part, the capital in a burr is six months or eight months away. So, you know, if you want to survive in real estate, you've got to have a, an income strategy and a wealth strategy. I would always break it down with my students. I'd say, what's your short term? Where's your short money? Where's your medium money? And where's your long money? So like short money, wholesaling, flipping, medium money might be a, a larger a multifamily flip. And then actually getting into burrs. And then the long thing is like, okay, have you been able to find an apartment block worth stacking your money into? So it's kind of a blend of those three things. If you can think about yourself today, yourself tomorrow, and yourself in 10 years and, and serve those three people, you're going to have a, a rounded career. But if you're stuck in one of those three, the short game keeps you in the game. And if you don't focus on your income, your short income, it's going to be very challenging and very stressful because you're probably still going to have a job. Like you're probably still going to be at the time uh, of someone else's time. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people are, their dreams or goals from this real estate is to get away from that. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, great advice. Um, Bryce, uh, people wanted to get a hold of you. What's your, your contact, uh, any, any businesses, any, anywhere you want people to find you um, just let them know. Yeah, you can find uh, you can find some of my stuff. I just started my YouTube channel, started putting stuff up on there. Bryce Kaminsky at Bryce Kaminsky. You can find me on uh, Facebook, Bryce Kaminsky. That's probably the two easiest ways. I've got a link tree, Bryce Kaminsky, and that kind of will direct you to to all the different things. Uh, I'm working on a couple of different books right now, and uh, they should be coming out in the fall. We're running uh, Manitoba Real Estate Investors Association coming up uh, here April, May, and June for the spring series. 
And um, yeah, you know, I'm always interested in opportunities. So if someone's got something interesting or, you know, they want to collaborate on something like that, they can reach out to me. And the easiest thing, like I said, is I spend most of my time on Facebook until Facebook collapses. That's where you're going to find me. <laughs> that's awesome. You said your books. Um, do you do audio or just uh, hard books? Um, right now I've got the workings of the, like the actual written book, yeah. but you know, after, you know, watching what Stefan did with the books, I realized that audiobooks are really where, where it is. So, um, the books, the books, current working titles called the unending task. It's about how men find purpose in work. And, uh, you know, I think that topic is a little underserved because we're fed some different tones about work-life balance but it doesn't make a man happy to not be working so the book's really about how you know there's always work to be done and are we focusing enough on our work to make ourselves happy to be open for our family and what that means in today's modern world with technology blurring the lines between when we're done work and really especially as a real estate investor or an entrepreneur your phone is on you're on and it might be 10, 11 o'clock. So finding that balance, shutting your phone off a little bit and, 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 you know, being less available will, will ultimately make you more focused and more money. So it's called the unending task, a journey through a man's work. So that's going to be coming out later this year. Um, and it's going to be on audiobooks, going to be on Kindle, all those things. So keep your eye out for it. It's going to be a nice short, like 200 pager. Cause you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a huge reader. I like the audiobook. Yeah. So I'm going to be putting out the audiobook as well. It's going to be uh that's one of the one of the things that I'm working on right now. That's awesome. Yeah, and the, uh even update me whenever you have do release that and I'll add it to the show notes cuz uh you know, you know, podcasts are timeless. People will come check yeah. it out like 5 years from now. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Bryce, thank you for coming on the show. Um I love it. Good good content, good value. Honestly, I think people really enjoy this. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me and I appreciate your time.